Reading, short and deep. Hi, I'm Jesse. And I'm Eric. And today we're reading short and deep, The Poor Miller's Boy and the Cat. This is first published in uh, Grimm's Household Tales, Volume 2. The version we're reading from is from the 1884 translation by Margaret Rain Hunt. And uh, I discovered it, as usual, through Classics Illustrated Jr. Um, took me a while to track it down because uh, the Classics Illustrated Jr. version um, was not called The Poor Miller's Boy and the Cat, but rather was called Silly Hands. Um, and Hans is H-A-N-S, which is sort of a standard name for uh, the silly boys uh, throughout Europe who show up in these stories. Um, and uh, that didn't make it any easier to find, so I had to search for um, Miller uh, and Cat. And I found lots and lots of stories with cats, you know, the, the, some famous ones like um, Puss in Boots. <laughs> um and uh, yet I'd never read this one in the original um, text, but uh, I, I thought it was terrific enough to track down. So I'm very glad I did. Had you uh, read this particular Grim tale before? I've read all of the Grim tales, but, you know, you, you, I, I read them because I was for scholarly purposes. So mm -hmm. I just... You read one after another, and this one did not make an impact on me. So I don't remember having read it. I just know that I must have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the, so the, uh, an interesting question will be, uh, my didn't make much of an impact on me um, reaction, and your terrific enough that we ought to discuss it mm -hmm. reaction for you. It looks like you and I may... Uh, have some mutual education to uh, pursue today. Yeah, and I, I think part of the problem when you are reading a something for such purposes, basically, I need to read all of this because A, I'm doing an assignment, or B, I need to read it because I'm one of those people who needs to have read that thing. Um, if you read things back to back to back, I I, I think they, they can sort of all blend together. I know this whenever I used to, I used to do a lot of reviewing of books and if I tried to review a short story collection it would never be a good review if I reviewed the whole book in a very short amount of time I need to mm -hmm. separate the the readings of each story by something else some sort of palate cleanser um, it'd be like um, your grandma sits you down and says I'm going to tell you all the bedtime stories right now and it's breakfast. <laughs> and then she goes through to lunch. It's different when it comes at night, right before you go to sleep, right? Uh, and you get one a night, and you get to think on it all night. So I think that, that that's a large part of it. Um, but I also think that uh, seeing these striking images, uh, some of the images are incredibly striking, visualized, um, makes a heck of a difference. And uh, that I didn't think much of Silly Hands until um, he meets a cat in the forest and it wants him to be his servant for seven years. And I'm like, what? Okay. <laughs> and then they take I, off I his it, shoes. And, I, yeah, okay. <laughs> we should probably read the story, right? We should. Okay. Um, 
But I, I do want to say that I didn't have the advantage of seeing the illustrations, the, 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 the adaptation and classics illustrated when I read this again uh, at your suggestion. Um, but I think that while I didn't read all of Grimm's tales when I read this, what I would say here, and I hope that others may listen with this in mind as well, uh, the Grimm tales in many regards conform more or less to some standard structures. Mm -hmm. And even reading this in isolation, I can't help but see it as part of a group. Yep. And then, you know, how does it fit in the group? So we all get to make up our own minds. Shall sure we begin? Not. Please. The poor miller's boy and the cat. In a certain mill lived an old miller who had neither wife nor child, and three apprentices served under him. As they had been with him several years, he one day said to them, I am old and want to sit in the chimney corner, go out, and whichever of you brings me the best horse home, to him will I give the mill, and in return for it he shall take care of me till my death. The third of the boys was, however, the drudge, who was looked on as foolish by the others. They begrudged the mill to him, and afterwards he would not have it. Then all three went out together, and when they came to the village, the two said to stupid Hans, Thou mayest just as well stay here. As long as thou livest, thou wilt never get a horse. Hans, however, went with them, and when it was night, they came to a cave in which they lay down to sleep. The two sharp ones waited until Hans had fallen asleep. Then they got up and went away, leaving him where he was. And they thought they had done a very clever thing, but it was certain to turn out ill for them. When the sun arose and Hans woke up, he was lying in a deep cavern. He looked around on every side and exclaimed, Oh, heavens, where am I? Then he got up and clambered out of the cave, went into the forest and thought, Here I am quite alone and deserted. How shall I obtain a horse now? Whilst he was thus walking full of thought, he met a small tabby cat which said quite kindly, Hans, where are you going? Alas, thou canst not help me. I well know your desire, said the cat. You wish to have a beautiful horse. Come with me and be my faithful servant for seven years long, and then I will give you one more beautiful than any you have ever seen in your whole life. Well, this is a wonderful cat, thought, but I am determined to see if she is telling the truth. So she took him with her into her enchanted castle, where there were nothing but cats who were her servants. They leaped nimbly upstairs and downstairs and were merry and happy. In the evening when they sat down to dinner, three of them had to make music. One played the bassoon, the other the fiddle, and the third played the trumpet to his lips and blew out his cheeks as much as he possibly could. When they had dined, the table was carried away and the cat said, Now, Hans, come and dance with me. No, said he, I won't dance with a pussycat. I have never done that yet. Then take him to bed, said she to the cats. So one of them lighted him to his bedroom. One pulled his shoes off, one his stockings, and one last one of them blew out the candle. Next morning they returned and helped him out of bed. One putting his stockings on for him, one tied his garters, one brought his shoes, one washed him, and one dried his face with her tail. That feels very soft, said Hans. He, however, had to serve the cat and chop some wood every day 
And to do that, he had an axe of silver, and the wedge and sole were of silver, and the mallet of copper. So he chopped the wood small, stayed there in the house, and had good meat and drink, but never saw anyone but the tabby cat and her servants. Once she said to him, Go and mow my meadow and dry the grass, and gave him a scythe of silver and a whetstone of gold, but bade him deliver them up carefully. So Hans went thither and did what he was bidden. And when he had finished the work, he carried the scythe, whetstone, and hay to the house and asked if it was not yet time for her to give him his reward. No, said the cat. You must first do something more for me of the same kind. There is timber of silver, carpenter's axe, square, and everything that is needful, all of silver. Would these build me a small house? Then Hans built the small house and said that he had now done everything, and still he had no horse. Nevertheless, the seven years had gone by with him as if they were six months. The cat asked him if he would like to see her horses. Yes, said Hans. Then she opened the door of the small house, and when she had opened it, there stood twelve horses, such horses so bright and shining that his heart rejoiced at the sight of them. And now she gave him to eat and to drink and said, Go home. I will not give thee thy horse away with thee, but in three days' time I will follow thee and bring it. So Hans set out, and she showed him the way to the mill. She had, however, never once given him a new coat, and he had been obliged to keep on his dirty old smock frock, which he had brought with him and which during the seven years had everywhere become too small for him. When he reached home, the two other apprentices were there again as well, and each of them certainly had brought a horse with him, but one of them was a blind one and the other lame. They asked Hans where his horse was. It will follow me in three days' time. <laughs> then they laughed and said, Indeed, stupid Hans, where wilt thou get a horse? It will be a fine one. Hans went into the parlor, but the miller said he should not sit down to table, for he was so ragged and torn that they would all be ashamed of him if anyone came in. So they gave him a mouthful of food outside, and at night, when they went to rest, the two others would not let him have a bed, and at last he was forced to creep into the goose house and lie down on a little hard straw. In the morning, when he awoke, the three days had passed. And a coach came with six horses, and they shone so bright that it was delightful to see them. And a servant brought a seventh as well, which was for the poor miller's boy. And a magnificent princess alighted from the coach and went into the mill. And this princess was the little tabby cat, whom poor Hans had served for seven years. She asked the miller where the miller's boy and drudge was. Then the miller said, we cannot have him here in the mill, for he is so ragged he is lying in the goose house. Then the king's daughter said that they were to bring him immediately. So they brought him out, and he had hold of his little smock frock together to cover himself. The servants unpacked splendid garments and washed him and dressed him. And when that was done, no king could have looked more handsome. Then the maiden desired to see the horses which the other apprentices has brought home with them. And one of them was blind and the other lame. So she ordered the servant to bring the seventh horse. And when the miller saw it, he said that such a horse as that had never yet entered his yard. And that is for the third miller's boy, said she. 
then he must have the mill, said the miller. But the king's daughter said that the horse was there and that he was to keep his mill as well and took her faithful Hans and set him in the coach and drove away with him. They first drove to the little house which he had built with the silver tools and behold, it was a great castle and everything inside it was of silver and gold. And then she married him and he was rich, so rich that he had enough for all the rest of his life. After this, let no one ever say that anyone who is silly can never become a person of importance. I don't. I don't know if that uh, that coda got added on by the last grandma who told this to the brothers Grimm or not, but um, it I think is probably the most appropriate uh, way of understanding what this story is for but i think there's a a number of of um sort of secret things happening within this incredible narrative um one of them my, one of the my favorite things of these weird brothers grim folk tales is um the cat just knows hans's name <laughs> it's like he's walking through the forest he comes across a cat tabby cat tabby cat says hans where are you going well First of all, the cat knows his name. Also, the cat also knows what he wants, because the next line is, uh, you wish to have a beautiful horse. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> that's what I love about these sort of incredibly random occurrences. This cat just happens to be in the forest, happens to be able to speak, happens to know the name of the guy who's walking up to her. Um, and then... Uh, it it turns into like a um uh this poor it's it's kind of a Cinderella story, right? Absolutely. It, it, the the dance is sort of subverted. <laughs> um but uh she found the right prince for her. In a sense. And I I love the uh, the way the language works at the end. She's doing everything, right? She says, "No, you may not have him." Uh, she sets him on the coach. Uh, they drive, and she marries him. It's not he married her. It's she marries him, and um, you can see why she wants to. He is faithful, which is, I guess, what the the point of the story is. It's it's pretty amazing, really. He is faithful. He's long suffering. Well, he doesn't suffer, excuse me. He is faithful and he is long-working, he's diligent, he's obedient. Um, in this regard, he is in fact exactly like Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Of course, the, the, the gender roles are different here, um, but it, they remind me a bit of the Frog Prince. You know, the, the, the princess, the queen, the king's daughter, mm-hmm. is able to do what she wants to with the frog, including um, throwing him against a wall, trying to kill him rather than letting him sleep in her bed. But when she sees how beautiful he is, (laughs) then she, in fact, fulfills the promise that she made, lets him sleep in her bed, and eventually the prince will become the king, which means that he will then be able to tell her what to do. And the same is true here, that as long as our Hans is a poor and silly apprentice, but obedient and faithful and chaste 
Mm-hmm. He doesn't want any pussy that doesn't belong to him. Mm-hmm. Right? He even uses that word. Um, yep. Then he is the right kind of person for the princess who will be ultimately um, changed by the experience of being with him. Um, now, in The Frog Prince, the princess is changed by the experience of being with the frog when she realizes his great beauty. Mm-hmm. Here, the princess, the tabby cat, is released when she realizes his great diligence. In that sense, she, he has unwittingly kissed her in the same way that Sleeping Beauty gets kissed mm-hmm. by the prince. We don't know who turned her into a tabby cat, but clearly she was under a spell. Yeah, the that's the traditional passion. way it would be explained, right? We've seen exactly such stories on this podcast in the past where it was by his his um, fulfilling the need that she had to lift the curse, that etc. It's never explicitly stated in here, but that's what my, I'm assuming and you're assuming, and I think the reader would uh, assume... Yeah, agreed. Because it is, you know, that released me. Um, so, so here, here she has, she comes. But I, I find that these different elements are not com- combined in a way that that seems to work to support a single theme, the way it does in Cinderella or The Frog Prince or Sleeping Beauty. The, the pieces of those themes are here, but they don't together work all that well for me in that coda after this let no one say that anyone who is silly can never become a person of importance well what makes him important ah the previous sentence yeah he was rich so rich that he had enough for all the rest of his life if money is equated to importance then the moral value of his obedience and diligence is undercut and i think that that's that's a shame because there is buried in this particular story uh, something that is not in any of those other three that we've just mentioned, the Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, and the Frog Prince. The tabby cat sets him to work with silver lumber mm-hmm. and silver and silver and uh, tools to build a small house. Now, Anyone who has ever dragged his fingernail over gold and silver knows that you can't make uh, tools, building tools, out of these materials. This is fairy tale land. He builds the small house, and then she says, would you like to see the horses? Mm -hmm. He says, yes. She opens the door to the small house, and there are the dozen fine horses. (laughs) In other words... Through his diligence, Hans has created his own reward. Mm-hmm. He didn't build a corral into which the tabby cat put horses. He built the house. And voila, the house contains within it horses. As once they return, the house is no longer small. It's a huge castle mm-hmm. filled with gold and silver. It's Hans's moral value that creates value in the world. And I think, frankly, saying that that value is to be judged literally by richness rather than metaphorically by his sterling silver personality weakens the story. 
So to me, it's a nifty story, but I look at it in context, even without having reread all those others. Um, and it seems to me not as well well designed. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I I did more research. There, there are lots of other versions of this story, um, including one that uh, is this exact same story, but with like um, about three times the length near the halfway mark through to the end, um, and just sort of increasing the difficulty of him getting that horse and getting back to the back to the mill and having the curse be lifted. Um, I don't think that those improve the story. They do make them uh, make it longer. Um, but one <laughs> of the things that uh, happens again is that there's that um, in sort of a defiance of uh, of of breaking his morality, he decides to dig himself into a cave create a cave in which to escape um uh in this case i think it was the devil um now what's interesting to me is that in thinking about that it made me think of of that first night when they go out he he's told not to follow the other two apprentices but he does anyways and once in the cave where they rest the other two run off early in the morning and leave him um so he comes out of the cave um and is immediately presented with this tabby cat. The others missed this tabby cat somehow, right? Or the tabby cat waited for him. And so that reminded me that at, near the end of this story, a similar thing happens. He comes back to the miller's uh, house, and they chide him for not having his, uh, his horse, and he says it will come in three days. And they chide him for his ugly clothes which were his original clothes that he set out with apparently seven years ago which is a long time um he is one of my students remarked um about the classics illustrated version he's buff <laughs> he comes back right having wearing these uh tight-fitting lederhosen and garters and such uh, but they're the same ones he's been wearing for seven years he comes back having built a a castle having uh, worked out every day chopping wood. So, yeah, he's not just a young man anymore. He is a grown man. And they tell him that he can't have a bed. They don't allow him. And they he's forced to go sleep in the goose house. In the comic book version, it's the hen house. And mm-hmm. that reminded me that all seemingly all of the cat servants are also female. And one of them is explicitly called out when it washes one washes its face and another dries his tail dries her with her tail dries his face with her tail and he says that's soft (laughs) now what's funny is i think that the tabby cat is testing him right he gets to sleep he's taken to room by a bunch of female cats um, they undress him, which is something he should have been able to do by himself. They tuck him in, and then in the morning they dress him and wash him, and he is faithful in a certain sense. He's not tempted. When right. he goes back for three days and randomly, why didn't he just get the horse and go back? It's because if he fulfills this this service that she needs to have the spell lifted from her, 
then she's the right man for him, right? And it's, it's actually incredibly interesting how beautiful what's going on, in, and it's never stated, right? It never says he's being tested, but it is a test, right? And the... At well, the she end, does say that it's an exchange. She says, "If you'll work for me for seven sure. years, I'll give you the I'll give you the horse." Uh, but he also trusts her, which you know we think of him as being sort of ripped off because we've got this Miller who it says, "I'm going to test you. Whoever, which one of you ever brings back the best horse gets to have my mill, and I get to sit by the fire, and you will be my son." Well, two of the boys they go off, they bring back a blind horse and a lame horse. So they're not working very hard at it. Um, and when he is told that he will have the estate and become this man's son, the pussycat's not having any of it. No, he's mine. You can have the right. horse. But it's, it's, a, it's a kind of second apprenticeship. And that's what's so cool about it is um, I noticed at the beginning of the story, um, as, it, it's the second sentence, as they had been with him several years... Right, So he's the apprentice to the miller. And then she takes him for seven years as kind of uh, an apprentice, except it's not really, right? It's And what does he do? He does all the things that were required, presumably just like in the previous job where he was quote-unquote called the drudge. He's treated better by her than the boys treated him and the old man treated him. And ultimately, he doesn't seem to object to be taken off by a princess and put in a castle and married to by a princess. And who wouldn't blame him for not doing that? Even the miller gets rewarded by having the horse given to him. And, and so it's kind of like persevere with it. Keep that job, even though they're not treating you right. You're learning the skills that will make you a good person. It's an incredibly moral story. So, yeah, that ending sentence where basically it says, uh, just because somebody calls you silly doesn't mean you are, doesn't seem to be quite enough to summarize the morality that is sort of being taught here by this fantastical story. I think that the the morality that you're talking about and the, the, the part of the story that you're focusing on works works much the way you are suggesting. I do see some other things as well, though, that, that shade it for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, for one, I see a biblical story that is relevant here. Um, Jacob works for seven years wanting to marry Rachel, but is fooled and winds up having to marry Leah, and is then told, well, put in another seven years, mm-hmm. and you'll get you'll get Rachel, which he does. So he has a second apprenticeship as well, mm-hmm. and then, in fact, becomes the, the founder of, of the 12 tribes, I mean, his 12 sons, um, and, and so on. So this idea of a second apprenticeship leading to the, the more desirable thing um, it has its own biblical resonances, but the first apprenticeship here wasn't very good, and that no. troubles me, because when when Cinderella is helped by a fairy godmother, we know that she is suffering with the stepmother, because her own mother has died. We don't know how it is that Hans has wound up working for this miller, but what we do know is that this miller in fact, 
he's himself a bad person toward mm-hmm. Hans. Mm-hmm. Right? He says it's the miller, not the, the two other apprentices, who say, you look too raggedy. If anyone were to come here, it would be embarrassing. So you have to. So he casts him out. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in most grim tales, the the step parent, the 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 one who steps into the role of parent, as the miller has here, um, if that person mistreats our protagonist, that person suffers. That doesn't happen here. Mm-hmm. In fact. Maybe because females are nicer than males in the uh, the gender differentiated world of the Grimm brothers, the princess says, "No, keep the horse, keep the mill. I just want the nice guy. Mm-hmm. I'll provide everything else necessary." But in a way, the morality gets cut off short. Not only does it say you are therefore important because you have a lot of money, it also says. You can get lucky and make it perfectly well. You get the mill and the horse and two people to take care of you, even though you've been lousy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that, that seems to me to taint the story a little bit. Whereas Jacob winds up having sons by both Leah and Rachel. Hmm. And uh, so, as I say, I, I see a lot going on here and I like some of what I see in it a lot. But it raises questions when I hear it resonating in context, and they don't quite settle for me. Well, one thing I will say as to his punishment, the Miller's punishment, is that instead of being taken care of by the guy who would actually be good at it, based on that seven years apprenticeship to the cat, he's going to be taken care of by one of the two uh, other Miller's apprentices, one who brought him back a lame horse and one who brought him back a blind horse and he needs that guy to quote unquote uh take care of me until my death i don't think either one is going to take care and so he is getting punished in a certain sense yes he gets the horse but the horse is more of a status symbol than it is well a- it- I, I guess that's so. I mean, he's he, 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 if if not getting something good is the same as being punished, then he's being punished. Yeah, you know what? He's no, he's, <laughs> he's, he's no worse off for Hans having won the affection of the princess than he was beforehand. Yeah, he, he is deprived yeah. of the hands, which is punishment enough. <laughs> Indeed, and he and like everyone else in the story except the tabby cat. They didn't realize that the word silly actually has other meanings. Etymologically, it goes all the way back in its oldest roots to a word meaning happy. But for most of the history of the word, it meant innocent and blessed. Mm. And, uh, you know, children are often foolish because they don't have enough knowledge. They don't have experience. Mm -hmm. Hans is silly and he's not stupid. They miscall him, but the title gets it right. Mm-hmm. He's blessed. That's why in his life, when we poor mortals suffering from original sin try to figure it out, we find that there is always more to say. Thanks very much for listening. And remember, you can always freely access the materials discussed on these podcasts by going to sffaudio.com and clicking on the link for Reading Short and Deep. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron 
at patreon.com forward slash sffaudio.